Welcome to the Home Hour. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Graham. And this podcast is the home at class you wish you'd been offered. We're two moms aspiring to create gracious homes that are welcoming and functional, all while dealing with real life schedules, budgets, and children. Stick with us and we'll share and show what we know, what we've learned, where we've messed up, and how to fix it. For everything we can't make up, we'll bring in the best experts we can find. You're listening to The Home Hour, part of the Life Listen Network. We're heating up our homes this week on The Home Hour with aphrodisiac chef and author Amy Riley. Just in time for V-Day, we crack the nut on what sexy food is and how to get more of it in our lives. You'll get a history lesson on where sexy foods came from and how to spice it up in your own homes. It's so much more intuitive than you would have imagined. Plus, cheese tea, cheese melted in chocolate, and why Mexican food will not have you screaming ay 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 on the big day. All that and more on this week's episode of The Home Hour. Welcome home. Welcome home, Graham. Welcome home, Kirsten. And welcome, everybody, to The Home Hour. And welcome to February, which is the month of love. And we are celebrating here on The Home Hour. For the next couple weeks, we're going to be focusing on Valentine's Day-related shows, and hopefully y'all will enjoy that. Yeah, we have a wonderful author and chef on today. Um, we have Amy Riley, who we're going to introduce, and she is an aphrodisiac chef and author. And she has written books, and I love these titles. I mean, one of them is Romancing the Stove. And another book um, that she has just come out with recently is called Eat Cake Naked. And today, what's really neat well, about wait, it is- And let's not forget Fork Me, Spoon Me. Fork Me, Spoon Me. I love that. can't forget one. Fork Me, Spoon Me, Graham. <laughs> Oh, I mean, they're but just we do fabulous keep it pretty, titles. We keep it pretty clean on this episode, um, as we do with all of our episodes. But this one also, of course, it is Valentine's Day. It is about aphrodisiac cooking. So, you know, maybe not for all the kids to hear, but it's not so bad. But Yeah, I would like if I had just say. Again, we're not the, the mom hour. It's your decision. We're not going to tell you. Right, exactly. I, I give this a PG food. rating. Yeah. yeah, yeah I don't it know. Is. We don't. We go there without really going there, I right. would say. Right. So it's it's pretty safe. But nevertheless, if you have little ears, just, you know. It's aphrodisiac cooking. It's Anyhow, aphrodisiac. <laughs> that's, that's the title. Um, that's the so. title. But I thought it was it was really good because, one, she's just fun and she's got good advice. But two, like, it was just really interesting to kind of hear how common sense it is. You know what I mean? I was really surprised by, like, really what what is good for your body is also good for aphrodisiac cooking. Yeah, we're getting a full-on history lesson, and it's kind of fun, and it'll make you think differently about what you put in your body from a whole different perspective, not from a diet perspective, but from a health perspective. But um, I think we should introduce, Kirsten, our new segment that we're going to be doing called Tips from Friends. Yes. Remember back in the day when we first getting started, we had a different segment for every week, and we dropped that like a hotcake within like a month. But now we're going to focus. It's new year, new you. We are bringing back some some tips, and this is fun. And um, our first tip comes from a listener. I can't even believe it. Freddie in Germany. Wait, you totally outed what I'm so excited about. So is Freddie a friend? I don't know, but I consider you a friend now, Freddie. The most exciting part is like, Freddie could be a man. We could have a German man out there listening to this show, which is absolutely amazing. And as a Graham, you probably are a woman, Freddie. But in my mind, I'm just going to pretend you're a man. Um, So thank you for that. And you wrote us a tip and it was really great. It was in response to our um, kind of new year time management episode. And it was a tip on cleaning, but it was a really good cleaning system. So I'm going to read it to you. 
So it says, hi and belated happy new year. I've tried various cleaning systems with zones and certain days for certain chores, but the most successful variation has been my five minute clean and tidy game. Okay. And I love anything that's a game. So it goes like this. Number one, write out the rooms or the parts of rooms on little cards. I've got 24 cards. Some reason that need more attention. Some rooms that need more attention are on two or three cards. This is the kitchen and the bathroom, for example. Okay. Step two is you shuffle. Step three is you take the top card and do what needs to be done for at least five minutes, but no more than 10 to 15 minutes. You'll find something. Then you, number four, put the card at the back of the pack. Number five, still got time, take the next card. And number six, when you've gone through all your cards, shuffle them again and give yourself a reward. Now, I mean, that's fun. That makes that's really fun. Right. I mean, if you have to do it, you might as well make a game out of it, you know? And it's like I'd, efficient. And you know, I love efficiency and it's kind of a system and I love my systems. That's I good. Do too. I like that. Well, you know what I do? I was trying to think when I read Freddie's comment, what I do is sometimes I'll like set the timer on the microwave and see if I can empty the dishwasher. Like I'll race myself to see if I could do it in like three minutes or less, you know, <laughs> and just see how quickly I can get it done. Um, there is something there is something to just like setting a timer and just knowing that there's an end point, you know, versus like today I'm going to clean the whole kitchen. So Freddie from Germany. Thank you. You rock, you were, Freddie. You were, you were a Thanks friend. For Thanks for being yep. our first tip from home. Our tip. You are a new tip friend. From, tips from friends. Um, okay. So if you have a tip for us and you're our friend, um, go ahead and send us an email. Hello at the home hour. And we will either read your tip on the air or we'll give you a way that you can give us a ring and we'll record your tip and you can present it to our listeners. But um, we definitely want to keep these tips coming because you guys have realized from getting to read all the emails, we've got some super smart listeners who've got some really good tips. So um please go ahead hello at the home hour and let us know also just two more quick pieces of housekeeping to get to one is uh we have our survey it's up for just a few more weeks so please visit the show notes thehomehour.com and take a quick little peek of that i promise it doesn't take too long and two we have um we just had a really hard time recording our intro to this episode graham thought the idea of cheese teeth was the funniest thing she'd ever heard. So you'll want to stay tuned for the end of the show because we may have some pretty good bloopers. So stay tuned for that. Anything else, Graham, or should we get to learning all about aphrodisiac cooking? I think it's time to break out the champagne and the oysters. And let's talk to Amy. Welcome, Amy. Okay, we are already laughing just reviewing the book titles with Amy. Amy, Riley, we are so excited to have you on the home hour. Welcome. Thank you. I no one ever introduced me by laughing before, but hey, I'll take it. <laughs> if you're it's gonna have medicine, hilarious, right? if you're gonna have hilarious titles like that, <laughs> like they make us giggle. So, <laughs> um, welcome, welcome to the home hour. Thank you. Okay, let's get started by a question that I have that's just really basic. What is gastro? I'm, I'm look at I'm not even saying right. Astronomy, Kirsten. What's I, astronomy? I, you know what? I, maybe I'm just going blind. I can't read my notes. Um, all right. What is the difference between between gastronomy and like culinary school? Like this is a different deal altogether, correct? Well, yes. So I actually got my gastronomy degree from Le Cordon Bleu, which is a famous culinary school. It's a part of the culinary arts, but it basically encompasses everything but actual cooking. So it's the history, it's the culture, it's the anthropology of food. 
That's really interesting. Oh, I love that. That's so interesting. I one time convinced a college professor to give me three credits to do the the, the sociology and culture behind people who went to wine tastings. So I just hung out at a vineyard for an entire semester. Nice. So it's right up my alley. I know. But we should have so you the wrong major, Graham. We really did. So not only do you have these really, really neat skills as far as aphrodisiac cooking, but you know the background and you know the basis and the genesis behind everything. So I think to kind of touch upon it, tell us about this concept of aphrodisiac cooking. Like, is this the real deal? Is this snake oil or is this time tested? Is there a history behind it? Um, what's the history of the aphrodisiac? Well, how long do we have? This is an, a, a home hour, right? Because this could take all day. <laughs> but um, basically, if you look at, throughout history, nearly every culture embraced various foods as aphrodisiac. And um, what's particularly interesting about it is if you think back to most of these cultures, like the Aztecs or you know the ancient Greeks, these were people that didn't have a lot of food. In fact, a lot of them were starving. And so to treat food in this way and to use it, you know, sort of in such a way as, as something so important and as, as a medicine, um, you know that, that it had to have worked for these people or, or they wouldn't have bothered. They would have simply eaten things because they were hungry, you know? And now we're fortunate that with modern science, people are starting to really look at, well, what is it that, that makes these things aphrodisiac? Because, you know, now in our society, we don't believe anything. And so we're finding out in, in most cases, it's, some, it's nutritional most of the time. It's something that you need um, to maintain good blood flow. So anything that they say is good for your heart is also going to be great for your sex life. Um, often it's, it's nutrients that support sexual hormone production. Uh, sometimes it's something that simply warms up your body and, and makes you kind of get in the mood for tearing off your clothes. So it can be any number of things, but yes, absolutely. There is definitely something to it. Okay, so how did you get interested in this? I mean, did you go to um, La Cordon Bleu assuming this is what you were going to study? Or what was it that just, that really got you in the mood to study aphrodisiacs? <laughs> so many so puns. Anyway. We're going to have a good time with this one. We love a good pun. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of did go to La Cordon Bleu with this in mind. It, well, I, I was researching and writing about this topic a little bit. I was dabbling. Uh, I was dabbling in aphrodisiacs. And um, we had the opportunity in, in, in my master's program to do a lot of self-directed study. And I just chose to do all of mine in this direction. In fact, I did my dissertation on the relationship between food and sex in American pop culture. So I actually spent a lot of time watching like American sitcoms uh, in order to do my research. So it was kind of, it was kind of a good plan, really. That's, that reminds me of like when the Hardee's Thick Burger um, ads came out. Do you remember that a long yes. time ago? It was always some like fashion model and she was tearing into a it burger. Was and it was Paris Hilton. Yeah, it was Paris Hilton. It was Paris Hilton and she was washing a car or something. Yeah, yeah. While eating this fabulously good looking burger. And yeah, I mean, but what's interesting about, I think, your books and what you're talking about as far as nu the nutritional element is you feel horrible for the most part after you eat a gigantic messy cheeseburger. I, so I'm assuming right. that's not an aphrodisiac. Does not make my list. No, not at all. Um, in fact, I'm working on, I'm working on an article for someone right now about uh, the five foods you should never serve your, to your Valentine. Yeah. There are, you know, there are a few of them. Never serve something that would, never serve a heavy meal, basically. Really bad idea. Really? Okay. Well then can you help us 
with some of the top five aphrodisiac foods you should be using or some things? Because obviously this is coming out in time for Valentine's Day. What should we be buying at the supermarket right now? Okay. So if you want to have a fabulous Valentine's Day, um, first of all, you need to think about what your partner is going to enjoy. So don't just choose oysters and champagne because I tell you those are great aphrodisiacs, which they are. But like, for so that's example, real. They are real. Okay. Oh, totally. <clears throat> Excuse me. Absolutely. But you know, my husband thinks oysters are repulsive, and he also can't stand champagne. So that meal would really go over well. Um, so the first thing you need to do is consider your partner, and and I mean that's so much of it is really the the thought. The thought goes such a long way that it's kind of an aphrodisiac in itself. Um, but then if you want to choose foods, like if you want to choose um, a great protein, maybe look at fish uh, or shellfish, all of which is aphrodisiac. And on top of it, it they're, they're lean sources of protein. So you're going to feel great. You're going to have extra energy, which is always great at the end of a meal. I also recommend finish a Valentine's dinner with some coffee. Um, if you don't want to just have an espresso at the end, then maybe make an affogato, which is a scoop of gelato in um, hot coffee. And it kind of makes this cold and hot and creamy and fabulous experience. And it's a lighter dessert because it's small. Um, but the great thing about coffee is not only do you get that like quick boost from the caffeine, um, it also caffeine also puts you, the coffee also puts you in a good mood. And so, you know, you suddenly have this burst of energy, you're in a great mood, you've just finished this great meal, it's Valentine's Day, you're with your lover, well, obviously, what's going to happen next? So, right. that was two, though, I promised you five, didn't I? Well, um, well, what are the top five aphrodisiac foods for cooking, kind of, like, forget about Valentine's Day, let's just focus on your top five all-time greatest hits. Ooh. Well, once again, because it's so, I mean, it can be so individual. I would put oysters in my top five greatest hits, but I know so many people who don't like them or are allergic to them. So that would, could be disastrous. Um, but some other great ones, I'll just give you, I'll just throw out a bunch. Uh, chili peppers are amazing, especially if you want to seduce someone because they raise your body temperature. They make your lips plump up. So they're much more kissable. They make your tongue tingle. And if you eat enough, and it's a, it's a fine balance because if you eat too much, you just are uncomfortable. But if you eat enough, right. you can like even have this sort of endorphin rush and it's sort of like a runner's high and you feel amazing. The See, I get that. Mm -hmm. I totally yeah. get that. I get like yeah. this crazy runner's high whenever I eat spicy food. It's amazing. Yeah. So spicy food works for you. See, that's a good, mm -hmm. that's a good one for you. See, but when, that's not going to work for me because one, I don't love spicy food. And two, if I'm eating chilies, I'm going to have Mexican food and I'm going to have chips and salsa and it's going to be it's going to be like the cheeseburger situation. Like, I'm going to want to sit on my couch. And then you have too many margaritas on top of it. Oh, all of that is going to happen. And then I'm going to watch a movie. And that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun, too. But people don't write cookbooks on how to make someone watch a movie. Yes, this is not the plan for a romantic evening at all. Wait, let's be fair to Amy. She was giving us a very good, legit list of foods. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's how it's not going to work for me. Or that's how it will work for me. So keep but going, Amy. So sorry. That is completely the point is everyone kind of needs to take a step back and think about that. Is it going to work for you? Is it going to work for your lover? Is it going to work for or the person you're trying to seduce or whoever, you know, is it going to that's that's the most important thing is like take a step back and go, well, this might not work for them. No, you're um, right. And I like that you said that because when, when you're talking about the oysters, I would have kind of pictured it as like, it's like, you, I, no one likes this food, but you have to eat it. Like taking your right. medicine and you're saying, don't do that. There's other choices. So yeah. that's good too. Don't, 
just eat it because it's aphrodisiac. Eat it because you like it and don't force yourself if it's not. So I'm sorry, I had to interrupt with that, but get back to that list. We're, we're dying. Um, so if you want to do red meat, if you just can't live without a special occasion meal and, and not have red meat, then I recommend wild game. Oh. Don't choose lamb, mm. don't choose beef, choose some venison, choose some a bison steak. These are actually like Whole Foods, I think now, most Whole Foods now carry them. They're not that hard to find. Um, that would be my, my recommendation. And why is that? Just because they're leaner and a little more it's easily digestible? Protein, so you get that energy. Um, they're right. also more nutrient dense. They have, they have more nutrients. So, and a lot of those nutrients are ones that you need to maintain a healthy libido. Um, and that's not going to affect you in the moment, but it will cumulatively, you know, affect you. But this is neat. You're teaching us a lot because the truth is, and this is what Kirsten and I were talking about before we did the interview with you, was a lot of this has such a historical um, application. And right, like I, we were saying that in the age, of, you know, years ago with kings and queens, if they had a citrus fruit or they had an avocado, I mean, people didn't have food that way. Right. And so it was just such a specialty. Um, but also what you're saying from the nutrient element, they didn't, they couldn't pop a Flintstones vitamin like I did. No. And so the healthier your body's running, probably, of course, that's what will be the natural outcome. Yes. And, you know, for example, it, historically, we were finding that foods that were uh, given to women who are having fertility issues, well, guess what? They were foods that were rich in folate. And, you know, and it was just, it was sort of, they observed, they had, they had a lot of time on their hands. They didn't exactly get to sit around and surf the internet and while they were bored. When they were bored, they just sat and observed how they felt and how things worked. Hmm. And they kind of figured out, well, this food, you know, she ate this food for a month and then she's pregnant. You know what I mean? <laughs> it didn't quite work like that. You know, it was it was a slower time and they powers of observation were a little better. And they noticed, well, these foods seem to be effective. Well, it turns out they were foods that were rich in folate. That's or I heard in England, didn't they used to have pregnant women drink a Guinness every day for the iron content? I think that was probably a myth to sell Guinness, but <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> well, not I would work that. for selling Guinness. I mean, really. again, I defer to you. Um, let's talk about your new book, Eat Cake Naked. It comes out this week or um, it next came week? out on the 10th. Congratulations. That's Thank exciting. you. So, so tell us. Um, yeah. So obviously that would be my next recommendation is finish your meal with one of the recipes from Eat Cake Naked. <laughs> Okay, I loved what you said in Eat Cake Naked about how the problem with dessert is that even though um, when you're looking at the ingredients, the ingredients may include a lot of aphrodisiac-rich foods, but, um, but we've, we've ruined their qualities by the way we cook. So can you kind of elaborate on that yeah. a little bit? <laughs> yes, we've ruined dessert forever. No. Um, so what we, we approached desserts in Eat Cake Naked is, first of all, they had to be something yummy, something that you would want to eat every day recipes that you crave. In fact, my husband every day pretty much asks me when I'm going to make the key lime pie again. Um, mm -hmm. so, so it worked for him, but we kind of then also took a step back and said, okay, so how are we going to also make these desserts that you can still eat and still you know, want to go get it on? Because if you ate a piece of carrot cake from your average American diner, you're going to, you're practically going to feel like you need to be wheeled out in a wheelbarrow. You're not going to want to go home and, you know, strip tease for someone else's enjoyment. <laughs> um, so we, you know, we, we tried to 
reduce sugar where we could, reduce fat where we could, or make a choice to use better quality fats. Like we use avocado oil and grapeseed oil a lot. Um, They're actually kind of nutrition dense. And yeah, they're still a fat. Um, And in fact, in our chocolate cake for moisture, we use actual whole avocado. Um, So that's how we kind of, we kind of tried to layer dessert with some good stuff and still make it completely and totally delicious. And we're, you know, we're unabashed about it. There are a few recipes in the book where we say, this really has absolutely no nutritional merit whatsoever. (laughs) However, we think it still belongs in your life every once in a while. (laughs) Right. And maybe just a bite or two, not, Mm -hmm. not a, not a giant cake of it. Totally. Now, so this was a big surprise for me in re- when reading your books. I bleed cheese. Like my blood is made of cheeses, I think. Um, and your book says that it cheese is a more powerful aphrodisiac than chocolate. Talk. Okay. So cheese, first of all, I once read that cheese is like the second best thing you can do to brushing your teeth. I know we always heard it was the apple, but apparently cheese kills like some nasty bacteria in your mouth. It makes you more kissable. And I've always kind of hung on to that idea. I love that. Life cheese is like brushing your teeth. Anything you can say on the pro-cheese camp. Yeah, we're in. We're in. Keep going. That's amazing because sometimes I look at my child and I say, your teeth look like cheese. Please go brush them. Um, So so you're saying it's not exactly having the same effect on children who don't brush their teeth? Yeah. No, I mean, everyone should still brush their teeth. But if you're moving on from a meal to making out, maybe ending with cheese is a great idea. Um, mm-hmm. if you're a little bit like weird about germs, like I am, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, cheese is fabulous. Cheese contains, um, one of the same compounds as chocolate that, you know, how everyone talks about chocolate is such a great aphrodisiac. It's the ultimate. And in some respects it is, but in terms of how much, uh, benefit of these chemical compounds that are supposed to, you know, make you feel on top of the world or turn you on and, and some even say, you know, make you feel orgasmic. Well, chocolate has a very small amount, but one of them, um, PEA, cheese contains quite a lot more of the same compound as chocolate. And nobody talks about the fact that, well, you know, cheese can give you that sort of in the mood for love feeling a lot more quickly than chocolate could. Aha! It's all coming together. Well, a cheese plate, too. I'd prefer a cheese plate after dinner um, as opposed to a dessert anyway. But um, but I'm glad to know chocolate. You're not throwing chocolate under the bus, are you? Like I, I, I did read all the things you wrote in your book about chocolate. I still love chocolate. Okay. And I think anyone, you know, who does love chocolate should absolutely embrace that. And yes, dark chocolate in particular has a lot of good things going for it. Um, but I will say that as far as chocolate, um, you know, turning you into a sexual fiend, which is kind of has been a reputation that it's had um, that, you know, that it's going to turn you on like that. Well, there was actually someone actually did a study in England 10 years ago and found that an average sized woman would have to eat something crazy. It was a crazy number, like 20 pounds of chocolate in a sitting in order to sort of get that. Those, you know, that, those kind of feelings. And I just thought, I think you'd end up in a challenge accepted. Coma. Yeah. <laughs> 20 pounds of chocolate. Here you come. Yeah. Well, moving on. What is a warming aphrodisiac? Oh, those are my favorites. So the warming spices, uh, which we use a lot of in Eat Cake Naked, um, 
are have been thought of as aphrodisiacs since you know the beginning. Uh, well, since their discovery, and I th- I'm convinced that's why Columbus was trying to sail around the world was to like try to find himself some aphrodisiacs because he was looking for the spices. Um, <laughs> but they are so I'm talking about things like cloves and cinnamon and nutmeg. Um, and ginger is often put in that category, even though it's a root, not a spice. Um, but these things all warm your body up when you eat them. Uh, they, they kind of cause, they cause you to, to warm up and they're called then the warming spices and they are all a turn on. Interesting. And good for the holidays too. Like Christmas, I think of mulling spices. Yes. Um, maybe they are so maybe like warming spices. Right. So maybe we should just be drinking that pot of mulling spices once we finish with it. Speaking of drinking, let's talk about alcohol because that's kind of the double-edged sword of aphrodisiacs. I'd love to. (laughs) (laughs) You're on the right show. (laughs) Very safe space, Amy. (laughs) Oh, good. Um, Yeah, so all alcohol is considered aphrodisiac, but of course there's, you know, it's that double-edged sword of you have too much and you know what happens. Um, And it's certainly not going to be love in the afternoon or evening. Um, but my personal favorites tend to be the wine family. Um, champagne and sparkling wine is the thing that I always recommend, uh, because the, um, it's been proven that those little bubbles carry the alcohol through your body and make you super giddy and you're really happy very quickly. And it's also theoretically because you feel them so quickly, you tend not to drink as much and there's less risk of overindulging, which is kind of great to have that built in. There's some built-in protection from the champagne. Um, And something that most people don't know is that champagne and sparkling wine uh, has the same heart-healthy benefits as red wine. So I remember earlier I said anything that that is deemed heart-healthy is also really great for your sex life because it's good for blood flow. You can't get turned on if you don't have good blood flow. There's, you know, orgasm isn't possible either. Um, so that's where, you know, so champagne is my thing. Um, certainly any form of alcohol is great. Um, obviously red wines, they're good for your heart. They're good for getting you turned on. So they're wonderful as well. Um, you know, you really can't go wrong though with any of it. And I hate the word moderation, but this is a case where you kind of have to say, well, moderation. Right. I mean, it is, it is a good thing. The thing, you know, we need a little moderation. Um, okay. What about um, cherries. What what is the deal with why we should not not have cherries as an aphrodisiac or included in a menu that's supposed to be sort of lovey dovey? Well, you know, there are a lot of reasons. I've always included cherries as an aphrodisiac, um, and I love them. I think they're wonderful. And there was some scientific claim that the scent of cherries turned women off. I don't mm. know, and I don't know. I didn't know cherries had a smell. Cherries. I know, right? Raw cherries don't have much of a smell. So I don't know if they meant cooked cherries or raw cherries. I don't know. But we include it in our book. There are plenty of reasons. They contain plenty of nutrients that are great for your sex life. They're also that perfect, like, Valentine red color. Cherries are awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Well, and I'm isn't glad, that the I'm thing? If you can tie a knot. Yeah. Yeah, if you can tie a knot in your and mouth with the that. stem. Or... <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, isn't that like you're, you're just, uh, you know. Dynamo. All right. So (laughs) upcoming holiday, we want to start small. Help us and help our listeners. If we were thinking of trying to plan a simple meal, you've already given us some fantastic points of like, think, you know, think about who we're dancing with. Um, But 
anything from your cookbooks that you particularly would want to call out or something that we might be thinking about, like honey? I don't know. Hit it. Hit it to us. Since you love cheese and you seem to love chocolate, um, there is a recipe in my very first book, Fork Me, Spoon Me. It is the recipe that people still beg me to make when I will do a cooking demo. People still ask me to, to use this recipe. It's called chocolate smothered brie. Ooh. What? And that is one where you, I swear everyone goes crazy for this dish. When it really is, it's basically include, you melt chocolate. Would it be possible to include the recipe to this in our show notes? Sure. That would so be, yeah, you, uh, be really interesting. You just melt chocolate, fold in, some, fold in some roasted garlic, put the whole thing over some brie cheese, serve it with some fruit. You're done. It's kind of like dinner, dessert, everything. How on earth did you think that one up? I never would have combined garlic and chocolate together and put it over cheese. Um, I had had something that involved chocolate and brie before, and then I'd had things with, with chocolate and garlic before. Obviously, you know, a, a traditional a chocolate mole has all of those things, mm-hmm. and chili as well. Of course, that's true. Um, although chocolate and chili is more common together. But anyway, so I just started playing with the, the whole thing, and, and that's what I came up with. It sounds um, amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What I'm, what I'm really liking about what I'm hearing is a lot of these foods, it's, uh, it's really a lot of, it sounds like a lot of common sense, like what's good for your heart or good for your body or good for your energy levels is probably also going to be aphrodisiac. Like, it seems like right. you're definitely, right. it's, it's sort of almost just, it's almost like a more holistic way to look at healthy eating. And maybe, you know, you eat for a sport you're playing or you eat for, you, you know, eat brain food. But this just, I would never have thought of this as a, as a mode of healthy eating. But what a creative and a fun way to look at healthy eating. Well, yeah, I think it's a much more interesting way to look at healthy eating. And it's far more motivating than, you know, oh, I, I want to I eat brain food. <laughs> yeah. Well, Amy, um, we want to thank you so much. Is there anything we should know before we set off to cook and think about this wonderful holiday of love that's coming up? Oh, my goodness. Well, I think everyone needs to get a copy of Eat Cake Naked because we've now combined new dessert and eating better. You know, it's, it's like it's like the perfect it's the perfect book, really. <laughs> right. The reviews oh, of your well, we're so are, excited. are fabulous. I mean, your recipes all look absolutely delicious. I think it would be not only fun to buy the book for yourself, but um, maybe for a friend. So I think it'd be a really fun, sweet Valentine's gift, too. Yeah. But, you know, the most important thing, really, is just remember to have fun, relax, and, you know, think about what the other person's really going to want. So that's the most important thing. I love it. Happy Valentine's Day, Amy. Thank you so much for sharing um, this great knowledge with our listeners. Um, Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> we will link uh, to all of uh, Amy's books and her webpage on our show notes. And if you like the show, please go ahead and give us a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening and welcome home. It's much more intuitive than you would have ever imagined. Plus, cheese <laughs> melted cheese and chocolate, and why Mexican food will not have you screaming ay, 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 on the big day. It's so much more intuitive than you would have imagined. Plus, it's <laughs> not that funny. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I don't get what's so funny about it. What if your teeth were made of cheese? It's <laughs> not funny. How old are you? Like four? <laughs> it's so much more intuitive than you would have imagined. <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs>
Why? Now I'm laughing at cheese teeth. You have to change it. I can't say Be a professional. Be a professional podcaster. I'm Who are sorry. you? Okay. Okay, I'm going to be a professional. Okay. It's so much more intuitive than you would have imagined. Plus, cheese teeth, cheese melt. <laughs>